Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. <laughs> Greatest day in history Death is beating you have rescued me Sing it out, Jesus is alive The empty cross, the empty grave Life eternal, you have won the day Shout it out, Jesus is alive salvation is the most joyful day of your life uh, it's a joyful day but by far when you see your kids get saved uh, there's just something about that um, you know we're just saying about uh, Jesus overcoming the grave and all this is is a picture of that model he made for us the way he was buried and the way he rose again and that's all that you know God requires is that we believe in him that he's the son of God and that he was buried for our sin died a anguishing death on the cross, suffered for you and for me, 
but that's not where it ended. He, he rose again. And so today as we celebrate Canaan's salvation in Christ, my only challenge is to think of yours. Um, I just think of all the times throughout the Bible where Jesus promised that the man of the house and his family would be saved. Uh, men, that's a big challenge right there. But uh, Canaan, uh, you came to me, you knew you were a sinner, and you asked Jesus to save you. And because of the profession you've made of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried in his likeness, raised to walk in newness of life. Well, amen, amen. That's exciting, isn't it? Always great to see people come to faith in Jesus and just what the Lord's doing in the lives of families. You know, Billy actually gave his heart to Christ a couple of months ago and he's baptizing his son now. Isn't that cool? And uh, hey, listen, we've got uh, some people still trying to get into the building. So what we're going to do is kind of a welcome time. And if you don't mind squeezing in, that will be a massive, massive help uh, for you to do that. We had, listen to this, this is wild, wild. Don't move yet, y'all listen. I'm going to tell you something. 75 people in our college class this morning. Good night. Isn't that awesome? And um, just want to say thanks so much to Josh. Man, he's doing a phenomenal job over there. We're just excited about what the Lord's doing. Man, if you're visiting with us, when you came in, you got a brochure. And inside the brochure is a little section would encourage all our visitors to fill out. And I'd love to meet you following the service. So I'm going to meet you right out here in the foyer. You bring your little uh, card to me, and I'll give you a, a free gift, you know, a coffee mug with... One of them's got some money in it, so we'll hand that to you if you win. I'm just kidding. If it had money in it, Jones Cotter would have already picked it up, wouldn't you, boy? I'm just kidding. But anyway, so uh, let's stand to our feet. You find a few people you look better than and welcome them to church this morning. Come welcome you. You did awesome. Give and take away 
Excited you are to be here this morning. Very good. And um, hey, listen, we've been going through a uh, series of messages entitled, uh, I forgot what the title was. Y'all remember what it was? Marriage in the Red, right? I just want to check y'all. So, y'all were challenged last week, if you were here, to uh, go on a date. So, if you went on a date, I want you to remain standing right now. Everybody else, sit down if you didn't. And uh, good night. Look at all these daters out here. God bless you. Y'all give it up for all these daters. And then, uh, read. 
Also wanted to let you know that if you're sitting down and didn't go on a date, we will exercise church discipline on your life in just a little bit. If you, if you need counseling after your date, remain standing. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody sit down. Y'all sit down. <laughs> Look at y'all. That's good, good, good. Hey, listen, I want to go ahead and just encourage you about what the Lord's doing. It's very, very exciting to say the least. But last Sunday, uh, we had the most people in Sunday school that Concord's ever had. It was 707, I believe it was. And we're excited about that and want to just say appreciate you attending. And uh, also want to let you know, if you're, you know, some of you guys have come in today and this is your first, really your first time coming, or maybe this is their first hour coming. I want you to know at 945, man, we got some phenomenal small group Sunday school classes. I want to encourage you to attend and you will get to know some folks and really be able to plug into the life and ministry of the church. And please listen, look at me eyeball to eyeball real quick. If you don't get involved in a small group, uh, you will not enjoy attending church here very long. And the reason is because you'll get in here and you'll be like, I don't know anybody. Well, you're never going to get to know them unless you get into a small group. So I want to, and plus I get old very quick. Y'all with me? But anyway, so I uh, want to encourage you to find you a small group. We've got visitor classes for our visitors. Matter of fact, all you got to do is follow the uh, signs over there. So there'll be a place you can go into and get to know some new people. be an awesome, awesome time. But we're just so excited about what the Lord's doing. Looking forward to next weekend as well. It's Sunday at the park. I've not been to one. Matter of fact, uh, we came last weekend, or I'm sorry, last year on the same weekend uh, when it was kind of in view of a call and they were still, you know, praying about whether or not the Lord really wanted uh, me to come. I'm not, I think they're still praying. But anyway, so, uh, so I didn't get a chance to come, but I'm fired up about this one because they tell me like, but I don't know, about three or 4,000 people will be here on the campus just hanging out, having a great time, got fireworks, got uh, This Hope is going to be here, one of my favorite groups. And um, man, all I'm going to be doing, Lord willing, is just walking around sharing Jesus. So y'all come. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. Next weekend, there's info in your brochure about it. But we really want to pray that God would use us is a light into the community so we can share the gospel. Amen? And uh, I'm going to pray now, and we'll just continue to worship the Lord. Okay, so let's bow together. Father, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for calling us into a relationship with you. And God, I'm excited about what you're doing in our church body, and I uh, want to just be real quick to give you praise for it. Uh, God, thank you, really and truly. Our, our goal as a staff is to make sure that we keep you first and foremost. God, that we're always seeking to lift you up. And uh, Lord, it's not about, you know, concord, it's all about Christ. So I pray that that would always be the, what rings true in our hearts. And Lord, if, if, if that's not the case, make it real plain, real quick to us. But Lord, we also want to thank you uh, just for what you're doing uh, through the life and ministry of this church to reach people with the good news. God, we saw people, you know, saved and baptized this morning and uh, also already had the opportunity to see a baptism today. And Lord, I just ask that you'd speak to hearts. God, there are probably some people here this morning who don't know you personally. God, you created them so that they could have a relationship with you, but it's sin that's really separating them. So God, just, I mean, convict their heart this morning, show them the reality of their sin, but also by the power of your Holy Spirit, draw them to yourself. And we're going to trust you alone to do that. And God, as we continue to talk about marriages, really for the final uh, time in this series today, Use your word to challenge us uh, big time so that we would be just a conduit through which uh, the truth of the gospel of Jesus would flow through our marriages. And Father, help us now as we continue to really reflect on your love and who you are, what all you've done for us. God, I know this song we're about to sing, good night, it just talks about how great your love is toward us. Help us never get over how much you love us. And God, thank you that it's unconditional. And you give it to us by your grace. And that's in your holy name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen, Pastor. If you are here this morning and you have a kindergartner through fifth grade, they're meeting behind us. There's about 70 of them over there having a blast at Concord Clubhouse. I forgot to mention that a while ago. So if you have a kindergartner through fifth grade, they'll have a lot more fun in there than they will in here, although we'll have a blast. But just let you know that. You know, the Word tells us, so that you would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And that Christ would dwell in your life through faith, in your heart through faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love might be able to comprehend that which is the height, the depth, the length, the width. To know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. And that you might be filled with the fullness of God in him. You know, the song we're about to sing is, is an old song. It's one of my granddaddy's favorites. And uh, 
I just pray that as we sing it, you'll sing it along with us. And let's just be reminded about the love of God.
for our time together this morning and just grateful for an opportunity really to worship you in song. And God, we're going to now pray that you would give us sensitivity in our ears and our hearts that we might be able to hear the word of God and put it into practice. And Lord, uh, reality is we're going to be challenged in a way uh, possibly where some have not been challenged before in their relationships. So God, I pray that you'd use this time as just a way to spark a real genuine revival in our hearts for reaching others with the good news. And Lord Jesus, I just pray you continue to put your hand on marriages, continue to minister to them and uh, through them as well. We're going to rejoice in that and look forward to what you do this morning. And that's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Listen, go ahead and open your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 28, uh, the last chapter in Matthew's gospel where the Lord Jesus really does. He gives us a great commission. He tells you and I what we're supposed to be about as a New Testament church. But I'm also going to show us in a moment, uh, Lord willing, how really this verse can be applied to our marriages. Now, I'm going to be serious at a heart attack with you. Uh, you know, I've already preached this once this morning. And uh, I don't know if they really, they, I think I may have, uh, I don't know if they got it. Y'all still out there say, yeah? They were looking at me like I was crazy, all right? And I told them this up front. Y'all look at me like I'm nuts. But so I'm praying, really, and I think they did get it. A lot of them came up to me and told me that afterwards. But I'm praying that marriages really would be challenged, possibly in a way in which you have not been challenged before, and that God would use your marriage as just a significant tool to carry forth the gospel. Now, here's the reality. Let me give you this statement before we begin, and that is this. God is on a mission, and uh, his mission is to reach the nations with the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. He's chosen to declare the gospel through the New Testament church. Therefore, God's gospel is always on its way to reach someone else. You know, Carlton has given me a line uh, that I've used more than once now that I really, really like, and he says that the gospel hits you on its way to somebody else. So that the gospel of the Lord Jesus is always going forth, and reality is our lives become the highway upon which the gospel travels. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, we learn that God has designed marriage between a man and a woman to be the picture of Jesus Christ and the New Testament church. So follow me just for a moment to this very logical conclusion. If God has chosen marriage to be a picture of Jesus and the church, and if God has chosen to declare his gospel through us, then it makes logical sense that God wants to use married couples to share the gospel with other people. Now, this is huge. God's mission is to reach the nations with the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. If that's God's mission, then what is the enemy's mission? Well, the enemy wants to stop the gospel from going forth. So if God can use a husband and a wife to declare his gospel, and the enemy wants to destroy the travel of the gospel, then what must the enemy seek to destroy? Well, it's the marriage. So if the enemy can keep the marriage in turmoil, then the marriage will cease to be a highway upon which the gospel of Jesus Christ can ride. Let me kind of give you a, a picture here. And I love this track. You know, when I grew up, we didn't have RAs at the church I attended, so I never got the chance to make these little race cars. So I was pretty, you know, I was just looking for some way to use this track. So this worked out real well. And what I want you to see this morning on this track is really this. It's very simple. Uh, the, the track itself represents your marriage, all right? So every single person in here, you, the track really is. It's just your marriage. And I love the fact we pulled this out. We didn't even change this. It has all four colors on it that we've been talking about. So there's red, yellow, green, and blue. So a marriage in the red, obviously that's, that's in the worst you know, place possible, all right? So we want to help that marriage. And then yellow's getting a little better, green's getting a little better, and then blue, obviously, is what we're going to talk about this morning. But here's the unique thing, and I'm going to take this one for just a moment, and that is that the gospel wants to travel down through your marriage and actually reach other people. Are, are y'all listening and say yes? And so what happens is um, the Lord God, he wants your marriage to be a highway upon which the gospel can go. So as soon as you have an opportunity to share Jesus, you and your wife or you and your husband, man, the gospel just flows straight through you. Now, what the enemy does is he likes to get in there and mess your marriage up. And, you know, we talked about a marriage in the red with invisible walls and inconsiderate choices and all of these kinds of things. But what the enemy does is he will take rocks, so to speak, and try to drive a wedge between you and your spouse, and he puts these rocks on the highway of your marriage. And now I want you to see this, because this is uh, pretty massive as well. When these rocks are on the highway of your marriage, 
What happens is God still wants to use your marriage to share the gospel, but the gospel just cannot get through. Are y'all seeing this? Say yes. And what ends up happening is you, it's kind of unique, you never know how many times God wanted to use your marriage to share the gospel, but because you still had some internal conflict, some invisible walls, some slander and hatred going on, all of these gospel opportunities, that is to share the news of Jesus and what he's done to forgive people of their sin, all of these opportunities just line up like traffic. Are y'all with me? Say yes. So what we want to do is really talk about, and that's what we've been talking about over the past few weeks, is how to get the rocks off the highway so that the gospel opportunities will continue to flow through your marriage and actually reach other people. So this morning, we want to talk about a marriage in the blue. And we want to describe to you, based upon Scripture, what your marriage could be. And if you'll allow me this morning, I really want to kind of cast a vision for your marriage. Now, if you're in the building and you're like, well, I'm not married now I'm a college student or a high school student or a single person, hang with me because the principles that we're going to talk about apply directly to you. So you can put these principles into action. And really, you should be just a conduit through which the gospel goes. So we're going to talk about how to do that. Now, let me go ahead and speak to you about this marriage in the blue. Are you all ready to say yes? There's two uh, basic characteristics that describe a marriage in the blue. And I wore a blue shirt to represent blue. Amen. Anybody else did that because you knew I was going to preach on blue? God bless y'all, three of you. But anyway, so um, glad y'all are with me in the series. But uh, it's pretty unique what's going to happen here. First of all, a marriage in the blue is a mission-minded marriage. Uh, look, and I want you to listen to this statement. This is huge. You and I don't go on missions. We are on mission. So all of us are on there. As soon as the gospel touched your life and my life, God invited us to join him in what he's up to on the earth, and that is he's on a mission to make disciples. So look at Matthew 28, 19 through 20. You got that in front of you? Say amen. The Bible says, go therefore, and this is Jesus speaking, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, the word for go here, and you might want to circle this in your Bible, the word for go is not a one-time event. As a matter of fact, in the Greek context, it literally means as you go. So what Jesus is saying is, as you and I go throughout our lives, we should be intent on making disciples of all nations. You see, a disciple is a person who is a willing follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, as soon as they come to faith in me, that is, they become a disciple of mine, the first thing that happens with them is that they are to be baptized. Now, the word baptized, it literally means to immerse. Uh, baptism is the way a person publicly identifies himself or herself with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when a person is put under the water, it's a picture of Jesus' death and burial in the tomb. And then when they're brought up out of the water, it's a picture of Jesus' resurrection. But it's also a picture of your old life being buried. And then when you come up out of the water, it is a picture now of your new life being set aside to live for Jesus Christ. And so we baptize really because the Bible tells us to do that. But we also baptize because it symbols your old life being buried. And uh, we do it by immersion because, uh, well, at least when I'm going to get buried, I don't want to just sprinkle a little dirt on me. I want to put me all the way under. Y'all all right? So uh, that's what we, we do. That was funny. I don't know what y'all's problem is. But anyway, so baptism is going on in this text of Scripture. It really is. It's almost like an initiation now into the family of God. And what's unique, and I didn't talk about this in the first service, but when they would baptize in the New Testament days, they would actually baptize people right out there in the marketplace on the streets. So you'd be just hanging out in the market, and you'd see people going to get baptized. Like, what in the world's going on with him? Oh, they're identifying with Jesus. So it was a public profession of the fact that they were trusting to follow Jesus Christ. And so, just for free, some of you, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, but you've not made a public profession of faith. And so, in a moment, we're going to have an invitation. I'm going to invite you to come forward. We want you to be baptized. And you are to be baptized. That is the first step of a new believer. And whenever you're baptized, you're being obedient to Christ. You're saying, I am unashamed of the fact that I am following the Lord Jesus. Y'all still with me? Say yes. Now, 
Uh, what's wild here is he talks about being baptized, but Jesus promises as well that once they're baptized, you and I, and really he commands it, we are to teach them everything that Jesus commanded. So that's why we have small group studies. That's why we have uh, this time right now where I'm preaching the word of God. So, and, and what's unique is Jesus promises that as we are intent on making disciples, he is with us to the end of the age. So the Lord Jesus is with us in a very unique fashion when we are doing what he has called us to do. So this describes the activity that you and I as followers of Jesus are to be involved in. We're to be making disciples by allowing the gospel to ride the highway of our lives. Now, when you're married, guess what? This is huge. You and your spouse become one. And as a result of this oneness, you now share in the same mission together as one to make disciples. Y'all out there say yes? This gets, this gets practical as all get out. So a marriage in the blue describes, I'm going to tell you what it looks like. It describes a couple that is actively pursuing relationships with other couples who do not yet know Jesus Christ as Lord. A marriage in the blue is intentionally looking to connect with other couples in their sphere of influence. Their entire hope is that they can connect with other couples in such a way as to lead them to faith in Jesus Christ, see them baptized into the body of Christ, and see them grow in their relationship with Jesus. Now, you may be thinking, well, we don't know any lost people. You know, I mean, my wife and I, you know, you may be saying, uh, we hang out with just Christian couples. You know, we're always around a church, you know, we're always hanging out with just saved people. Uh, so you're saying, man, I don't know any lost people. Uh, my word to you would be, you need to st start getting to know lost people. Are y'all out there? You and I should be getting to know people who don't know Jesus. That is how the kingdom of heaven expands. You see, the goal for the Christian is not to get in some kind of little hub or bubble whereby we totally, you know, run away from everybody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. That's the opposite of what the Bible says. And it is amazing what you can do now and never come into contact with people who don't know Jesus. Uh, you can even go to Christian places just to eat, right? Uh, you can just show up at all the church events and you can just play, you know, sports with Christians. That, that's nice, but that's not what the Bible commands you and I to do. We're supposed to be out there among those who don't know Jesus, seeking to carry the light of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven grows. God has chosen to use you and I as a means to display his love to a lost world. And by lost world, I just mean those who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, let me walk you through this in a very practical fashion, I feel. And that is you... You and your spouse, let's just say you've got, uh, you've got some high school students in your house, and they love to go to that football game on Friday night, and so you've been going too, man. You like to go and hang out with them and watch the games. A marriage in the blue assesses the seating arrangement at the football game and begins to ask this question. What couples are here that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You see, the football game is just a huge setup from the Lord to get you around folks without Jesus. Oh, yeah, I wish y'all would have been in that first service. I didn't have nobody saying, come on. So you locate a couple, and you actually begin to pray for them. You seek to establish a relationship with them. You begin carrying on conversations throughout the game and get to know one another. Then you invite them perhaps to a church on Sunday and lunch after church. And you tell them to come meet you at the church. And then you go hang out afterwards, maybe at your house or, you know, at Captain D's, some other place. <laughs> My kids love Captain D's, I ain't gonna lie. I got four of them if y'all are visiting. So if y'all want to get us gift certificates, Gapton D's. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, they just love fried stuff. We rip it up. So you get around with somebody who doesn't know the Lord. You invite them to church. And then after church, you go home. And you go out to eat with them. You're sitting around with them. You're kind of hanging out, you know. And then finally, you get past the surface stuff. 
And you actually look him in the eye and say, hey, what do you think about uh, what Levi said this morning? And then they look at you and say, well, you know, that was all right. I like the way you use them race cars. That was pretty cool. Well, what do you think about what he said at the very end of the message? Now, if you're visiting, you're going, I don't know what you mean by the end of the message. The end of the message for me is always the same. I always tell people how they can give their heart to Jesus, repent of their sin, and be radically changed. So the end of the message is going to be the same. So you're going to be able to say to them, what did you think about the very end? You know, where Levi was talking about the only way to get to heaven was to come to Jesus Christ. And then they begin to converse with you about what they thought about it. Guess what that does? Just swung open a door for you to share what Jesus Christ has done in your life and how Jesus can change them as well. And you're just allowing the gospel to flow through you. That's a blue marriage. It just kind of goes there. And I know what happens sometimes is people are like, bless God, we're not doing that. I mean, my wife and I aren't going to do that. That's ridiculous. Hey, can I tell you something? Here's something. Here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is. Let's try that again. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which are lost. All right. So he came looking for lost people of which you used to be. Then he found you. And now Jesus says, hey, follow me. What did Jesus come to do? Seek and save the lost. So what do we do when we're following him? We're seeking to see them saved who are lost. And Jesus, you know, and I think we've lost that in the church. Here's the deal. We want a real revival in church. Here's the deal. We get back to what God has called the church to do. It's just to make disciples everywhere. Are y'all listening and say yes? Has nothing to do with who's preaching. Nothing to do with who's leading worship. Hey, as long as we keep our eyes on what Jesus Christ has actually called us to do, that's when God revived. And by revival, I mean revives those who are saved. Revival isn't for lost people. Revival is for saved people. You can't revive unless you have been vived. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. <laughs> but then once the revival sparks and people are like, you know, uh, Levi, you're right, man. I'm supposed to be sharing Jesus. That makes perfect sense. So now I'm going to get intentional about it. I'm going to look for those couples who don't know the Lord. I'm going to pray for them. Man, I'm going to get around them. Looking for those opportunities. When revival happens in your heart, then spiritual awakening happens in the community. Spiritual awakening is when just a lot of people get saved. That is, they just come to faith in Jesus. And we cannot expect to see a whole bunch of people come to Christ if we're not revived in the principle for what we have been saved for. Let me say it to you like this. Jesus said it like this. He said, hey, you follow me and I will make you fishers of... You follow me and I'll make you fishers of? If you ain't fishing, you ain't following. Y'all out there still? Y'all still my friends? That's what Jesus said. Hey, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of people. And that's huge, man. Same thing with our marriages. Now, I want you to imagine this because this is huge. Uh, just a minute. Let's say that we, you know, we have like 200 couples in our fellowship. Let's just say that for a moment. Just, just for sake of me making a point. And 10% of them, 10% of the 200 couples actually got what we were saying this morning. That is, they actually became a marriage in the blue. They became mission-minded, realized, good night, I'm a missionary. Did y'all hear that? That was pretty. That is, that is true. Every follower of Jesus is a missionary. And so you as a married couple, y'all are missionaries. That's what y'all are. I don't know what the devil's trying to convince y'all that y'all are, but you're missionaries. And we carry the gospel. Just think a moment. 20 couples begin to intentionally reach out with the gospel of Jesus to 20 other couples. And then all of a sudden, one Sunday morning rolls around, and all 20 couples show up, and they have no relationship with Jesus Christ whatsoever. The gospel is preached from the pulpit, and then the gospel is presented in a winsome fashion by you over lunch. And then let's just say one of those couples gives their heart to Jesus Christ. You talk to them about baptism next Sunday. You as a mission-minded blue couple, uh, you come down the aisle with new believers, and here's what you say. Hey, Levi, uh, these people prayed to receive Jesus last weekend. They need to be baptized now. <laughs> Are y'all listening? I, I mean, I really do. I dream of a day when that will occur. How awesome that would be when married people get so on fire for Jesus that they actually get out there and share his love and then just show up and bring people. It's like, look at this, man. These people got saved this weekend. 
And that's what church should be about. Hey, hey, church isn't about the hired clergy going out and making disciples. The, the church is about all of us together making disciples. So we do this. You know, I started thinking about this too uh, this morning as I was, uh, you know, preaching this. Could you imagine, go back to that football game. Are y'all there say yes? Y'all at the football game and man, you've, you've, been hanging out with somebody, and let's just say they pray to receive Jesus. And boy, they just get so fired up, they start growing in their faith. You know what you did when they got saved? You doubled your mission capability. Now, you're not the only ones out there with the gospel. you got some others with you. So as soon as they get saved, say, you know what? Here's what we do. We go and find other people who don't know Jesus. And we tell them how they can be saved. <laughs> Why y'all look at me like this ain't in the Bible? Do y'all see it? Because reality is all we are, we, we're like beggars telling other beggars where to find some food. We found the food in Jesus who said, I'm the bread of life. He changed us. And now we go out and say, good night. Look at all these people who have no purpose and no direction in life. And they are holding on to their sin. And I really do believe what the Bible says. If they die in their sin, they'll go to hell. And that bothers me. So I've got the bread of life. Why in the world would I not go say, hey, cook, 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 taste and see that the Lord is good. We want to give that to people. And mission-minded couples, that's what they're about. Krista and I, uh, my wife, that's what we're working towards. We've got a couple we've been praying for and um, seeking that they would come to know the Lord Jesus. Now, what the enemy wants to keep you from doing is becoming a blue marriage for the gospel to flow through your life, to reach your neighbors, to reach your co-workers, your family, and your friends. So what's the temptation? The temptation is very simple. It's just to hide your light. You know, you hear messages like this, and you know, you're sitting back and you're saying, well, you know, we're not going to do that, man. I'm going to tell you what. Uh, we're not going to get serious about sharing our faith together. M Matthew 5, Jesus says it like this. You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now think about how this fellowship could be transformed if just a few couples here this weekend got a hold of this principle. What if you went back to your community, started looking for couples who don't know the Lord Jesus, praying for couples who don't know the Lord Jesus, seeking to form relationships with couples who don't know the Lord Jesus, and intentionally desiring to share with couples the love of Jesus Christ, and the more couples we have doing it, the more light we have shining. I must be crazy. I must be crazy. You know why I say this? I, I've been in church all my life, but I don't believe I've ever, and I'm, I'm sure there are some who are doing it, but I've never heard a, a pastor or a leader really challenge married couples to allow the gospel to flow through their life. Just never seen it. So I must be crazy. Or we might be on to something. I'm going to choose a ladder, by the way. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. I, I mean, I don't know how to explain it, uh, you know, except I look out here and I'm like, there's a bunch of people here. But then my heart's burdened because there's still a whole bunch of people out here who's lost and don't know Jesus. I mean, that bothers me a little bit. I mean, I'm all excited to preach and teach and whatnot. I enjoy that. God's called me to do that. But the goal here is to get you to move. <laughs> And, you know, there's a lot of churches sitting around. And if we're not careful, we'll become a church like that. Are y'all listening? And here's the deal, because I know what happens, too. This is all for free, so let me just talk to you real quick. My, my mind's too full. We come in, y'all look around. It's like, good night, there's a bunch of people here. We ain't got no room. You know what happens a lot of times when people say, well, we can't really invite any more people because we ain't got no more room. Man, please. So whenever the building gets full, what we do is look at the community and say, hey, y'all going to have to go to hell. We just ain't got room in our building. <laughs> Are y'all listening? We better be careful, man. Always aggressively pursuing people without Jesus. That's my heartbeat. That's um, what I want to be. 
and pray that I am. Let me go ahead and give you the second truth. And that is a marriage in the blue is a mentoring couple. And you can kind of flip over in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6 right quick. Galatians chapter 6 uh, in verse 1. And this is huge. And if you're visiting, man, I want to encourage you to come back next week. I don't normally preach topical messages, but the Lord put this on my heart. But we're going through Philippians verse by verse. We're doing that tonight as well. You can come to church tonight. We do it on Sunday night. Marriage in the Blues, not only looking for couples who don't know Jesus, but they are highly sensitive to couples that are in the red. And most of us could probably name at least one marriage that we know that's struggling, not doing well. In fact, throughout the series of messages, I've had people come to me and say, you know, Levi, do you know so-and-so? I mean, their marriage is into red. I've even had people try to identify colors that are worse than red. They're like, is there anything below red? Because that's what this couple is. So in your Bibles, Galatians 6 and verse 1, you got it there, say amen. That was like five of you. If you got it, say amen. If you don't, look on the screen. Galatians 6 and verse 1, brethren, if anyone is called in any trespasses, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Each one look into yourself so that you too will not be tempted. So Paul in this text urges us to look out for others who have fallen in the Christian faith. That is, they are caught in a trespass. They are caught up in their own sin and offense. Paul says, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. The word restore speaks of setting a broken bone. It speaks perfect of Paul's overall picture here because he's talking about people who are to walk by faith. So as a person is walking by faith, there are times in which they fall over in their faith. They break their spiritual legs, so to speak. And so Paul says, help those who have fallen with truth and reset their broken spiritual leg that they might heal. So just as a nurse would work with gentleness to restore a broken bone, so a follower of Jesus Christ seeks to restore a person who has fallen in their faith, walk with the Lord. Now this is true as well when I begin to look at it and say, how does this apply to a married couple? You know what a married couple does? They look for people who are in the red. They look for those people of whom the enemy, as well as them themselves, have allowed to put all these rocks in their life and interrupt the flow of the gospel. So they're living independent lives. They're like roommates. You know, they're living with iffy love. It's all conditional. Uh, they're living with inconsiderate choices. And the entire time, this gospel just flat out can't get through, doesn't matter how hard. It seeks. It just doesn't go through. So you know what we do? Here's what we do. We look around and we see marriages that are in the red. But let me tell you what we don't do, and then I'll tell you what we do. We don't get on the phone and 